Worship was amazing. So good. Thank you, worship team. So amazing. What time is it? You guys ready for week two of the What Time Is It series? Just by a show of hands, who was here last week? Who watched it online? Awesome. Those of you online, give us a thumbs up or a high five if you watched this message, this series, week one, last week online. We're talking about how to discern the times. Jesus wants us to be in the know. He wants us to discern the spiritual significance of the times that we live in. He wants us to know the hour of our visitation, as Jesus told the people of Israel. And the end times, this series is about the latter days, the end times. It's not this obscure topic in the corner of the Bible. It's one of the main themes of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New. And a lot of times we can shy away from it because it feels overwhelming. And a lot of times the prophetic language used can be, um, you, have to, you have to discern what it's saying. Um, but it's a main theme of scripture, end times, the latter days, and God wants us in the know. He doesn't want us to shy away from it. He wants us to be in the know about what scripture says about this topic. Last week, we talked in great detail about the rapture, the catching away of the church. And I just want to say, if you missed last week, online church, if you missed last week, if you guys are here this morning, you missed last week, go back and listen to it because the series and especially the message today is not complete without hearing what we talked about last week the hope of the last days for the believer is how jesus promises to keep us from the hour of trial that's coming on the face of the earth we see that in revelations 3:10, jesus told the faithful church he said i will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth Jesus said, when you see these events happening, lift up your eyes because your, redemp- your redemption draws nigh. Um, <clears throat> Jesus says to believers, comfort yourself. Be encouraged when you see these things happening because we have a hope of the catching away of the church, the, the rapture, where in a moment we will be miraculously transported from earth to heaven before the hour of trial or the tribulation that comes onto earth. Amen? So if you missed last week, please go back and listen to it. Last week, we also showed a really big, broad timeline, kind of summary of end time events. We're going to show that again here in a minute. There's five big events. There's a lot of big events, but five that we're covering in this series. We talked about one last week, and we're going to endeavor to talk about the last four today. So prayers that we get through it all. We might not camp out as much on the last one. We'll see how we are on time. But some of you guys have been asking, man, I'm interested in learning more. There's so much here. This is kind of just an appetizer. This series is just kind of an appetizer on the topic. If you want resources of how to study this out more, I want to give you a couple of recommendations. There's a book called um, Epicenter by Joel Rosenberg that's really great. Um, There's a new book called Revealing Revelation by Amar Tassari. I think I'm saying his last name wrong. <clears throat> that just came out, and it's really great. He's a, he's a Jewish, he's an Israeli Christian and has great perspective on end time stuff. He also has a YouTube and a Facebook page called Behold Israel, um, where he does lots of Bible teachings, but he also gives updates on current events happening in Israel. A lot of times we can discern what time it is by what's happening in Israel. Um, So that's great. And then there's a guy by the name of Joseph Morris who does a weekly end of days update. He has a website and a YouTube page where he talks about current events and what the Bible says is going to be happening in the last 
update. So those are just a couple of places that you might be interested in studying more and continuing to learn even after this series. But let's jump into prayer and then we'll dive into it. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you that you're a God that reveals. God, we thank you that you're a God who shows us things to come, that you want us to be in the know. There's so much coming that you prophesy about in the latter days and you don't want us to be surprised by it. So Holy Spirit, come bring revelation, bring knowledge, bring comfort, bring um, a knowing about the times and the seasons that we're in. God, we thank you. We love your word. We're so grateful for your word. May your word come alive as we read these scriptures this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to show here in just a minute, not yet, I'm going to show this end times timeline. If you weren't here last week, you're about to see a lot of content that might feel overwhelming. So you can take a picture of it, reference it later. It shows a lot of events and scripture references to where we saw it. If you're watching online, screenshot it or take a picture of the TV. Um, and then we'll dive in deeper. But I'm a timeline person. Like, where does all of this fit in the broad picture? So this is going to kind of show you the broad picture. Go ahead and show that timeline. I'll briefly talk about it here for a minute, and then we're really going to dive in. Go ahead and show that timeline right now. Um, so you can see end times events. This is a summary of a lot of what you see in the book of Ezekiel and Daniel in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation and then specifically Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about the end times. So the first event you can see on there is Israel becoming a nation. This is super significant. We're going to talk a lot about it this morning. It has already happened. You see where we are today. We're after that moment of Israel becoming a nation and being regathered. The next thing on this timeline to happen is either the war of Gog and Magog or the rapture. It, those, that order could be, it could be in a different order. We don't know the exact time. We don't know how much time elapses between Israel becoming a nation and the next events of the rapture and the war of Gog and Magog. So again, the spacing of this timeline is not scaled correctly. I'm more showing you the order. Um, so there's a coming war of Gog and Magog. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. The rapture of the church, we talked about that last week a lot. So again, check out last week's message if you missed it. Then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation that is talked about a lot in Scripture, especially in Revelation, but even in Old Testament Scriptures um, of Daniel and um, that tribulation is going to start with this person called the Antichrist um, signing some kind of peace treaty with Israel. That will be the, the start of the clock of the tribulation. It'll be, it will be a time of great tribulation on earth, greater than we have experienced, you know, a thousand times worse than COVID. But the first half will not be as bad as the second half because this Antichrist will present himself as a, as a peaceful, lovable man. Like, why wouldn't you love the Antichrist? But then halfway through, he's going to shift. There's going to be some kind of abomination at the temple. We're going to talk about this a little bit if we get time to today. And then at the end of the rapture, Jesus is coming back with us, his bride. We talked about that a little bit last week. And Satan will be bound for a thousand years, and Jesus will be president and CEO of the earth. We will rule and reign with him. After that time, um, Satan will be released one last time then Jesus will officially destroy him. He will no longer have any more power on earth, but will be destroyed and concealed in hell to be tormented forever and ever. And then there will be a new heaven and earth. There will be the white, uh, great white throne judgment um, for non-believers, and then a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll spend eternity with the Lord forever. Amen? Wow, a lot of content, right? 
let's dial it back and go in specifically to a couple things. We're going to spend a lot of time on Israel becoming a nation, the war of Gog and Magog this morning, and I'm hoping to get into Antichrist stuff a little bit, but we're not going to have time to really dive into. There's a lot that we could, there's a lot on all of this that we could talk about, that, but giving you an appetizer this morning. All right, so the first sign on the timeline um, from prophetic old, or this specific scripture was in the Old Testament, is Israel becoming a nation. It's a significant end time event. Again, the, the purpose of this series is for us to have knowledge and for this knowledge to give us power to have tools in our tool belt because Jesus said we should be able to discern the signs of the times. Studying scripture like this is helping us to be able to discern the signs of the time. God, you said, that, you said in the, your word that it's going to happen. So what's happening in my world that is showing me that the clouds are coming in just like we can discern when a rain cloud is coming in? We should be able to discern when these prophetic end time events are nearing. And so one of those is Israel becoming a nation. We talked about this a little bit last week. If you're 74 years old or younger, Israel has always been a nation in your lifetime. So you're like, what's the big deal about Israel being a nation? It's always been a nation ever since I've been alive. Well, that's unique to your generation. Because before 1948, Israel was not a nation. And the 2,500 years before 1948, Israel was not a nation. We, you know, we studied Babylonian captivity quite a, a couple months ago. When the Babylonian captivity happened and the Jews were taken away and the temple was destroyed and all of that, since that moment, back 2,500 years ago, until 1948, Israel was not an independent nation. The Jews were spread all over the world. There was seasons where they were able to dwell. After Babylonian captivity, they came back and rebuilt the second temple, right? But it wasn't, it was under the rule of another country. They were never, they never had their own leader. They were never an independent country until recently. And that's prophetically significant. Um, and so a lot of where we're spending our time this morning is in Ezekiel 36 through 38. We're going to read lots of scripture, take notes, and just kind of absorb it as I read some scriptures here. So Ezekiel 36, 22 through 24, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied what we're about to read during the Babylonian captivity 2,500 years ago. Since he prophesied it, it has never happened until 1948. You guys catching me? All right, so let's see what... The Lord said through Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 36, 22 through 24, says, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, I do not, I do not do this, the gathering of Israel, you'll see, for your sake, O Israel, but for my name's holy sake. So God's saying, I'm not regathering you because you've been so good, Israel. I'm doing it for my name's sake because I made a covenant with Abraham that I would give him this land, Right. Um, which you have, but for my name's sake, which you, Israel, have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And, and God's saying, I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned, profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am ha hallowed before their eyes. Verse 24, for I will take from among... I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. And then he says something similar again in Ezekiel 37, 21. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone, and I will gather them together from every side and bring them into their own land. So Ezekiel prophesied someday in the future, God is going to regather all of the Jews back into Israel. 
in their own land. And again, this doesn't sound like a big deal. We're like, whoop-de-doo, they're there. But like they haven't always been there because we're living in this moment of when they're there. Before 1948, most of the Jews were not in Israel. I want to show you guys a chart in just a minute that shows how quickly the regathering happened after Israel was declared an independent nation in 1948. So go ahead and show this graph. This graph shows um, Jewish population. It shows the population of Jews in the whole world, the population of Jews in Israel, and the percentage of Jews, the sum total percentage of Jews that live in Israel. So way back in 1882, only 0.3% of the total Jews on, in the world were in Israel. Like there are no Jews in Israel. Then you get to 1948 when, Jesus, when um, Israel became a nation. And at that moment, there was only 5.7% of the total Jews on the face of the planet that were actually in Israel, which is around 650,000 Jews in Israel uh, that year that they became a nation. Now we're over 70 years past it, and now there's 7 billion Jews in Israel, and which equates to 46% of the total Jews in the world are now in Israel. Hello. Do you see the significance of that? And you might ask yourself, where are all the other Jews? Like, over 40% of them are in America. Like, basically all the the vast majority of Jews are either in Israel or America. They're small pockets in other countries. But the majority of them have been regathered in Israel. And that is very significant. Okay, you guys catching me? I mean, the scripture goes on, not only will they be regathered, but it says more about what it will be like. Ezekiel 36, 32 through 37 says this, not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God. On the day that I cleanse you from your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities. The ruins shall be rebuilt, talking about Israel. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass. So they will say this land was, des was desolate and has become like the Garden of Eden and wasted and desolate, ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around, you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them and I will increase their men like flock. So we see here God saying, not only am I going to regather you, I'm not going to just bring you all back to the land, which has happened, but you're going to be flourishing. Um, ruins are going to be rebuilt. There's going to be strong agriculture in the land. There, you're going to be flourishing in the land. <clears throat> in a little bit, we're going to talk about the war of Gog and Magog and the prosperity of Israel as part of that event also. And so I want to read you a scripture from that as well. In Ezekiel 38, 8, referring to Israel, it says, After many days you will be visited in the latter years. Anytime you see the latter days or the latter years, this is talking about the end of days, the end times. <clears throat> Therefore, in the latter years, you will come into the land. You'll understand who's coming into the land in a little bit. So another country will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, but they were brought out of the nation. So it's talking about Israel has been regathered and they dwell safely. And so 
This has never happened. Like the, the moment that we're living in, Israel has never been regathered the way that it has been. They've never been flourishing the way that they have been, and they've never been so safe as they are today. Um, and, you know, it's a baby. Like we know Israel has been an, a nation on and off for thousands of years, right? But in modern in modern times, it's a baby country. It's a 74-year-old country that's flourishing. Many of you know about the Iron Dome. They're safe primarily because of this Iron Dome that they have that can intercept missiles being shot into Israel before they hit the ground, and it explodes the missile in the air before it even hits them. They're dwelling very safely. Um, but I want to show you a couple other stats that just show not only is Israel regathered, but it is prospering in a surprisingly like strong way in every way. Check out these stats of Israel. When it comes to innovation and technology, this is really a huge part of where Israel is leading the way. In the whole world, Israel, little 74-year-old nation Israel, is number five in the world when it comes to innovation and technology. There are more science-related startups in Israel per capita than any other nation. What? Healthy. It's the 10th healthiest nation in the world. Power, little tiny country of Israel, is the 11th most powerful nation in the world, according to the U.S. News. Military, according to Business Insider, it has the number one military in the Middle East, and it has the top, one of the top air forces in the whole world. Agriculture, Israel's land is not good, like, traditionally not good farming land. But because they're so innovative, they have come up with this agricultural technology that has allowed them to have this desolate land that shouldn't be good for farming um, be abundant in agriculture. And so um, at this point in time, Israel manages and produces 95% of its own food requirements because they've They've worked the soil, and now na other nations that have poor soil are coming to Israel and saying, what is this technology you're doing to revive the land? Um, there's a book called Startup Nation about Israel, and it had this quote in it. It says, how is it that Israel, a, a country of 7.1 million, only 60 years old, this is a quote from 2009, Surrounded by enemies, in a constant state of war since its founding, with no natural resources, produces more startup companies than large, peaceful, and stable nations like Japan, China, India, Korea, Canada, and the UK. Pretty impressive, right? So this is all really miraculous. And, and if we're not aware of, of all of this, and it's just like, yeah, Israel's a... a powerhouse in the world, and yeah, technology comes from Israel. Like, that's miraculous. They've been regathered. They're prospering in, in every way possible. Um, and the Lord's saying, I'm doing this because of my covenant with them and to make my name great. You guys catching it? Okay. So this event has happened. We are living in, on the timeline after this event has happened. It's, Israel's been regathered, they're prospering, and they're dwelling safely. The next thing prophetically to happen on the timeline is either the rapture or the war of Gog and Magog. Lots of different opinions about which is going to come first. I personally believe that the rapture will happen after the war of Gog and Magog. And I'll explain why in a little bit. But then right after these Ezekiel 36 scriptures that talk about Israel being regathered, the next chapters talk about this coming war of Gog and Magog, which we're going to talk a great deal about here in just a minute. 
Um, again, I mentioned earlier, we don't know how much time transpires between Israel becoming a nation and the war of Gog and Magog. There are quite a few Bible scholars that believe that the, that the generation that sees either Israel reborn or Jerusalem rebuilt, established as the capital, the generation that sees that won't pass away until the end times has been complete. Well, like we've been talking about, Israel's 74 years old. So if that's true, we're like, time's ticking, right? So we'll see. Time will tell if that is the true way to interpret Matthew 24 that talks about when you see the fig tree sprouting, fig tree represents Israel, that generation will not pass away. So we'll see. We don't, we don't, we don't know for sure, but it definitely could be. All right, War of Gog and Magog. So after Israel has been regathered and is peacefully dwelling, there is this latter days war that is to come that has not yet happened that Ezekiel prophesied about. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, a lot of times prophetic language can be really symbolic and sometimes hard to discern what's happening here. You know, the different imagery, imagery especially in the book of Daniel and a little bit in Revelation that you're like, what this, like, like Pastor Eric said, this is trippy. Like, what's happening here? But the war of Gog and Magog is about as clear and concise language as you can get about this coming war. So let's read it, and then we'll talk about it together. Ezekiel 38, 1 through 9. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog. Gog is referring to a ruler or a leader. Yeah, it's on there. Um a ruler or leader of the land of Magog. Do a, do a long study on it. You're going to find out Magog is referring to Russia. Set your face against this ruler of Russia. And then it goes on to define the same person again. The prince of Rosh, Meshesh, and Tubal, all referring to Russia. Just take my word for it. You can study it out. But it's all referring to this leader of Russia. And prophesy against him, this leader of Russia, and say, and say, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm against you, O Gog, leader of Russia, the prince of Rosh, Meshesh, Tubal, again referring to Russia. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all of your armies, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords. Then it goes on to list a couple other countries, Persia, referring to Iran, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, referring to Turkey and all of its troops, and the house of Togomari, which is referring to Turkey and probably Armenia too, from the far north. That could be another reference to Russia or it could be a reference to China. We don't know exactly. All of its troops, so all of these countries' troops led by this ruler of Russia, many people are with you. Verse 7, prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your company, talking to the leader of Russia and all of the company with him. All of you who have gathered about yourself and be on guard, after many days you will be visited, again, in the latter years. This is an end time war to come. You will come into the land, and we just read the scripture, of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which has long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, talking about the, this group of uh, countries coming against Israel. You, as, you will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many people with you. Wow. Y'all get kind of, you know, you mentioned Russia, and with the whole Ukraine-Russia thing, like, it's like, oh, yeah, no, we know who that leader is, if it's in our, in our generation. 
So the scripture is saying in the last days, there's a coming war and it's going to happen at the time that Israel has been regathered and is, and is dwelling safely. There's going to be this leader of Russia who gathers around with Iran and Turkey and some other countries and they come in against Israel like a cloud. We're going to read what else happens in a little bit here. So this scripture was prophesied 2,500 years ago. We've are, this scripture has not come to pass yet for two main reasons. Number one, Israel has not been regathered until the last 70 plus years, right? And the prereq for this prophecy to come to pass is Israel is regathered and dwelling safely. The other thing that has never happened in the last 2,500 years is that Iran and Russia have become military alliances. Never in the past 2,500 years have those two countries been military allies until recently. Scripture goes on. Let's keep reading. Ezekiel 38, 10 through 13. You guys doing good? This is a lot of content. Let's just chew on it, okay? Ezekiel 38, 10 through 13. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, referring to Gog, this leader of Russia. He's going to have some thoughts come into his mind. And you, Gog of Magog, leader of Russia, will make an evil plan, and you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages, and I will go to the peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them without walls, having neither bars nor gates. And the purpose is to take the plunder and the booty and to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, talking about Israel. Israel has something that this leader, Gog of Russia, wants. So um, against the people that have been gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock goods and who dwell in the midst of the land. Goes on to name a couple other countries, Sheba and Deaton, referring to Saudi Arabia. Most Bible scholars, it's, it's very clear that that's referring to Arabia, Saudi Arabia. And the merchants of Tarshish, we've heard that word a lot lately, right? That's referring to Europe. That's referring to possibly all Western countries, but for sure, Europe. Um, and all their young lions could be referring to America as a young lion <clears throat> coming out of Tarshish, um, Europe. So then Saudi Arabia and the Western countries in America are saying, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your armies to take booty and to take away silver and gold and take away livestock and goods and to take great plunder? And so here we see... This leader of Russia gets an evil plan to come, and there's something that Israel has that the leader of Russia wants, and, um, and it looks like Saudi Arabia and the Western countries are not a part of it and either commentating from a distance, like, what are you doing, coming to take their plunder, or their allies with Israel, it's not super clear, but they're definitely, those countries are definitely not part of the ones of the alliance of countries that are coming against Israel. Can we all take a deep breath in? All right, so this is the end time war that is to come that has not happened yet. Um, so what would be, we're, we're doing this series to discern what time is it. So if we're discerning what time is it, there's some signs that we, we should be looking for to discern, are we close to this war of Gog and Magog? Go and show that slide. Here are a couple things that I would be looking for after reading this scripture. I'd be looking for Iran, Russia, and Turkey becoming military allies. That has to happen before this war happens. I'd be looking for these three countries, among others, starting to have collective antagonistic views towards Israel. 
starting to not like Israel and threatening to attack them. I'd be looking for Israel having something of great significance that would cause them to want to come um, and attack, right? And then, obviously, once these countries start attacking, we're like, okay, it's time. <laughs> it's happening, right? So you'd be looking for these signs. And a couple different moments throughout this, this morning, I'm going to show you guys a couple of news clippings just as we're helping to discern what time it is. Not, I'm not trying to be conspiracy theory out here. I'm just saying, okay, this is what scripture says. So now let's look at the weather. Are there clouds coming in? What's happening? You guys tracking with me? All right, so let's see. Almost all these clippings have happened in the month of July, July 2022. July 2022. All right, so our, a question, are those countries allies right now, military allies? Go ahead and show this next slide. Um, so a couple of news clippings from July 12th. New York Times, um, Putin looking for allies, plans to meet with leaders of Turkey and Iran. Can't make this stuff up. Um, July 11th, so all this is, these are both of these from this past week. July 11, 2022, Iran preparing to send several hundred drones to Russia. So you don't send drones to, military drones to someone that you're not allies with. Um, so yeah, what time is it? Okay, they're starting to become allies. People can be allies for hundreds of years before starting a war, right? But it's like, oh, it's going in that direction. Um, another thing, do these people hate Israel? Are they antagonistic towards them? Let's take a look at a couple other recent headlines. Um, June, so this one's from June. Oh, go ahead, show the next slide. Um, this first one on your left is um, one from an Iranian international. This one was from June of this summer. It says, Iranian hardline news, newspaper calls for a hard blow against Israel. It's no new news. Israel, or Iran hates Israel. Like that, it, Iran has been very vocal. They want to obliterate Israel. So yes, Iran hates Israel. Check mark. But Russia and, and Israel have been allies for a long time. Recently, though, this war in Ukraine is more significant than we realize. Because this war in Ukraine, Europe is is supporting Ukraine, right? So Europe does not like Russia right now coming into Ukraine. So those are two separate alliances forming. Israel's kind of caught in the middle because right now there are both Russian and Iranian troops on the Syrian border of <clears throat> Israel. So Israel needs to stay cool with Russia, but there's also lots of Jews in Ukraine. And so what does Israel do? Does Israel support Ukraine or does Israel not support Ukraine? Israel has remained pretty like middle of the road. Recently, Israel sent some aid to Ukraine and that made Russia mad. And so you see this recent headline here, it says from July 5th, the Jerusalem Post said, Russia orders Jewish agency to stop all operations in country. And so you can start to see Russia, because of what's happening in Ukraine and Israel choosing to support Ukraine a little bit, um, Putin just said, hey, this Jewish agency cannot operate anymore. This Jewish agency helps Jews in Russia immigrate to Israel. And Putin says, no more of that. So it's not like Putin saying, hey, let's attack Israel, but the, the friendship is being divided. You guys see in it? And then Turkey, um, from the Daily Sabah on July 9th, the headline says, Turkey is stuck between Iran and Israel. So what time is it? 
These countries seem to be forming an alliance, but it's not like they're outwardly saying, let's go attack Israel, but it's not like they're saying we love Israel either. You guys got it? Um, another big thing to be looking for is, does Israel have anything that these countries would want? Because they're going to have to come, it's going to have to be this big deal that they would, you know, right now Russia is attacking in Ukraine, but is, is there anything that Israel has that Russia would want? Well, again, this current crisis, this current war in Ukraine has caused an energy crisis around the world, right? Because many European countries are sanctioning Russia because of Russia's oil. Well, up until recently, Israel has had zero gas or oil. Like, they have had to import all of their gas and oil. Very recently, Israel has found large amounts of gas. And so now Israel is able to totally supply their own gas needs and all of Europe's gas needs. So check out this next slide. Just recently, June 2022, Al, I don't know how to say this, Al Jazeera, the Al Jazeera newspaper, and you, you, maybe you've seen this if you follow global news, the EU, the European Union, just signed a gas deal with Israel and Egypt Basically, um, and then the headline says, Egypt in, in a bid to ditch Russia. So this is a taunt at Russia. And so Israel has a whole bunch of gas now that Europe needs, and the way it gets to Europe is through Egypt. And so now there's this <clears throat> um, agreement with the EU that now Israel is, is providing Europe with all of the gas they need, and Israel has all the gas they need. Um, then you see that other headline on BBC News um, on July 2nd, 2022. It says, Israel shot down Hezbollah drones heading for this, say, gas rig. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization that's funded by Iran. So that headline could say, Israel shot down Iranian drones heading for gas rig. So yeah, Israel is starting to have something that these people want, Okay. Um, last month, for the first time since 1918, Russia, what do you call it, they defaulted on foreign debt because of all these sanctions. For the first time since 1918, Russia defaulted on foreign debt. Um, and so, so most, or not most, a lot of biblical scholars, even years ago, decades ago, have predicted, and the Bible talks about how there's treasure underneath the ground in Israel. So many Bible scholars have predicted that what will lead to the war of Gog and Magog is Israel finding gas or oil. And you can kind of see in the modern climate with the energy crisis, if Israel finds oil, they already found gas. They still have to import all of, almost all of their oil. If Israel finds oil, um, there's, Israel does have oil shafts reserves, and it's pretty much well known that they have the third largest shale oil reserves in the world, second only to China and the U.S. Only until recently has there been technology to pull that oil out of the ground, and so they are drilling. There's one specific company that is currently drilling, um, and Israel's a small country, so they don't need much Oil. So if they do strike oil, and if it really is as much as they think is there, 
then they could definitely supply Europe with the oil they need and potentially the whole world. And that would be a geopolitical thing that could change things. You guys see? So we're looking at what time is it? Well, it's not time yet, but maybe it's approaching. You guys, you guys decide for yourself. God wants us to discern the signs of, our, of the time, right? All right, let's see. How does this story end? Ezekiel 38, 14 through 16. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people are dwelling safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, referring to Russia, and you will come and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company. Again, Ezekiel's riding this before cars and tanks. So he's saying horses. Um, a great company and a mighty army. You will come against my people Israel like a cloud and cover the land. Well, if you've never seen military, if you've never seen explosions 2,500 years ago, that would look like a cloud, right? Like a cloud covering the land, and it will be in the latter days. Again, this is an end times war that I will bring you against my land so that the nations, so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. It goes on in Ezekiel 38, 18 to 23 to say this, and, and it will come to pass at that same time, when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face, and there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. It goes on to say, I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God, and I will bring him into judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. Thus says, um, thus I, that, so God is saying, thus, all this is happening, that I might magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. That is why I believe the rapture happens after this war. Um, God is saying in this, God's going to supernaturally protect Israel. And his name will be made known. And the scripture says, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. This will be a miracle that God's saying will draw many hearts to him. People will see, okay, God is protecting Israel. Hopefully people are seeing that this is prophetic, you know, prophetically coming to pass, right? Um, and so there's, when I did this series a while ago, there's all kinds of other stuff you could say. The scripture goes on to say that the birds of the air are going to eat the corpses from that war. And like all of a sudden, a couple years ago, there was a migration of predatory birds and it's the highest population of predatory birds in the, in the world in this location of where this war is gonna happen. So there's a lot of things that make you wonder, huh, I wonder why. All right, so, um, so that's War of Gog and Magog. I think we can all, do, it's not like far-fetched. It's not like none of this is happening. There's definitely signs that are like, huh, this could happen. Um, like if, if Israel hits oil this year, that timeline could speed up super quick, but it could, it, we could be in this current climate for decades before the war happens also, right? So it's discerning the times. Um, let's go on to the last thing. How am I doing on time? I need to get moving really quick. All right, giddy up. We guys, we ready? Jason, come on up. Um, and play some music. I want to just say a couple of things. The next thing to happen after the War of Gog and Magog and after, um, after what did I just say, the rapture, then the world is in disarray. Russia and Iran have just attacked Israel from the north. God has supernaturally protected them, but it's battlegrounds and, and it's chaos in the world. There's going to be 
a European leader, <clears throat> you, can, you can just see it all setting up already because Europe hates Russia right now for the invasion of Ukraine. And there, there's polarization of, of these two um, alliances. So anyways, the Bible talks about how the Antichrist will be a person that <clears throat> Satan influences. <clears throat> this person will be a person that, a ruler of a country from the Roman Empire. <clears throat> And he will be a very charismatic, peaceful person. People will love him. He will swoop in after the war of Gog and Magog and be like the good guy that swoops in to link arms with Israel and sign a peace treaty and look, appear to be Israel's superhero. Um, he's going to help rebuild the temple. There's already a whole organization that's prepared to rebuild the third temple whenever they're able to. He's going to come in and help do that. And then he's going to look like an amazing superhero, antichrist. He's going to appear. The Jews are going to think that he is the Messiah. Um, and then he's going to turn real ugly real quick halfway through. So I have a, hot, a lot of other things to say about this, but I'll just say this. To, when discerning the times, like we probably will see the early signs of some kind of leader from the former Roman Empire arise in Europe. The EU is interesting. The EU, there was a recent um, meeting where an EU leader actually said, hey, I think we kind of need to revive the Roman Empire. And um, go ahead, no, don't show the slides. I was going to name some names. I'm just not going to name some names. Go do some research and see if there is a European leader that has been extra friendly with Israel lately. It just, there's some things that have happened recently that just make you go, oh, okay? Especially if his name happens to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And his last name happens to be, his last name happens to mean Mark. We'll see what the Lord, we'll see what is what, but we're discerning the times. So there's going to be some kind of European leader that's really extra friendly with Israel. Got it? Let's close with some hope. <clears throat> Luke 21, 28 through 31 says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. What do we do with all this information? Jesus is saying, hey, when you start to see these things happening, look up your head. Look up your eyes. Your redemption is right around the corner. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 3:11 through 13. Now may the God and Father himself of our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. What should all this information of us discerning the times do? We should get some hustle in our step. It should, it should cause us to be ever more committed to the Lord, ever more committed to sharing our faith with our, with our family and friends and those far from God. It should cause us to be ever more committed to the bride, the church, get, serving in church, leading small groups, helping disciple the believers, make the bride ready for the return of her groom. Amen? And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I hope these signs of the time make you consider, you know what, maybe time is short. Maybe I should really go all in with the Lord. Maybe I really should commit my life to the Lord fully. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. 
And God, thank you for your word that shows us things to come, the Holy Spirit that shows us things to come. Lord, help us discern the times and live ready like the parable last week of the virgins with the lamps. Help us be ready because Jesus, when you come back, we want to be ready. We want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You lived kingdom or bust. You were all about seeking first my kingdom. You invested your time, your talent, your treasure to reaching the lost, to equipping the believer. Well done. Lord, help us establish our hearts, as scripture says, in blameless and in holiness. Lord, help us to live holy like you are holy as you are coming soon. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, if there's anyone listening online or watching online that isn't sure about where they stand with you, Jesus, Lord, I pray that you move in their heart this morning. You move in their heart whenever they're listening to this later on in the week or in the months or years to come. And Lord, help them come and, and dedicate their life to you evermore. With all eyes closed and all head bowed, before we officially close service, I want to give an invitation. If you want to get right with the Lord, if you want to fully dedicate your life to him and say, Jesus, I'm all in. Jesus says, simply come to me and receive the free gift of salvation that I give. Just simply believe that I am who I say I am. Repent and turn the other way. Change the total direction of your life to go fully towards me. With all eyes closed and head bowed, is there everyone here this morning that would like to say that prayer for the first time? Raise your hand boldly before the Lord and say, that's me. Amen. And online too. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And today, I dedicate or rededicate my life to fully serve you. Jesus, you are Lord. And I submit to your Lordship. And I repent from the direction my life was going, and I choose to fully follow you. Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.